0: But this is is my focus, is right before the baby and right after the baby. And um, so this is sort of just just my my passion. Um, So we've got two parts for today, um, and I'll go over that. Just a quick um, introduction for a little bit about me, in addition to what Lance said. Got a mom still living, 85, still plays tennis and takes lessons and drives Meals on Wheels for the old people. I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, um, a wife, 32 years, mom, and new mother-in-law. Got a son-in-law this June, and a part-time IBCLC is an international board certified lactation consultant. So, um, also the Square One team, that's a, uh, like they're actually, that's our Christmas party this year. in the lower right, that's uh, 12 or so of the 15 or 16 of us that are on the team, and it is an awesome, awesome group of women that want to love on new moms and um, walk with you, bounce your crying babies, as Callie said, and up in the left-hand corner, that's from 05 when we started it, and it was one little room and about a handful, maybe four or five of us on the team. and seven or eight on the, uh, of the new moms, and this last group we had 49 new moms. Thankfully, more on the team. But it's a, um, it's a you know, booming business here at Watermark, having babies. <laughs> um, all right, we're going to look at faithfulness in the wilderness, um, your journey through the first six weeks. And um, so what we're going to look at is... Just uh, perspective, like how do we look at these weeks that are to come right after the baby? What are the challenges and needs? There's a little bit of a practical worksheet that you can look at and maybe brainstorm for a little bit today, and then between you and your spouse, look at it more when you're at home. Um, We're going to take a break. We're going to talk about feeding the baby. And then as time allows, we'll look at some challenge situations. So when we take the break, I'm going to put some cards on your table that are like... uh, situations pretty much that, you know, people have encountered and with the knowledge that you've gotten, let's see if you can solve the problem or say, hey, that's no problem at all. <clears throat> so hopefully there will be time allowed for that when we get to um, the end of the feeding the baby section. So I want to just start out looking at how are you viewing what's ahead? You've heard some stuff this morning about what that might be like um, Anything stand out that you've heard that was brand new or surprising or that you already came in a little bit concerned about on, um, you know, the time after the baby? What would be, just anybody who wants to throw out, just go ahead, yeah. Okay, good. It, It can, yeah, all right, interesting. Anybody else? Guys, what have your buddies told you about right after the baby? No sleep. Absolutely at the top for a lot of people. Yeah. Anything else? You got some from Kelly and, and Ryan this morning. Okay, so you going to feel real confident about it, or is anything worrying you? <laughs> yeah, and that was some encouragement you got today, too, is that God's equipped you to, to move forward into it. Um, okay, so the sleep, definitely, sort of everything. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, all right, guys, plan it out. And don't plan. <laughs> that, that's probably a good position to be in. You know, you're like, okay, I realize I don't have anything locked in, and you're not rigidly locked into anything, so that might not be a bad place to be. And we'll talk a little bit about the plan thing. Um, okay, so let's start by thinking about any accountant or numbers types people in here. Good, good. Okay, so just on the back of one of your pages, Take a guess as to how many hours a day babies are going to be sleeping, eating, diapering, getting diapered, bathing, or playing, and see if you can make it add up to 24. Okay, so just take a second with a pencil and see, just take a stab at what those numbers would be. And there's not a rigidly right answer. When I show you the answers, it's going to be a little bit of a range, Okay, who's done? Not being graded, you know. <laughs> Your test is l- later. <laughs> okay, who wants to make a guess on the sleeping? Ten. Okay, I actually, I'm sorry, I think I put eating first. We'll, we'll back up. What do we think on eating? You saw the you saw the slide. Okay. Who says who says three on eating? Three point five. Okay. How many times are they going to eat a day? And how long is it going to take to feed? Okay. So our range is what I'm hearing is sort of like three and a half to six. Six. Okay. It could let's say the range roughly six to seven on eating because it is at least eight times a day. And it could take up to 45 minutes to an hour to feed at the beginning. Okay, diapering might take, you know, they're going to probably do eight diapers a day. And if they blow out, you're going to be cleaning them up a little bit. So it could take 15 minutes to diaper, not usually. So I'd say that's probably a little high, unless you had to do a bath because they got all their clothes messed up. All right, um, what do we think on bathing? One maybe one bath a day, and that you're not really going to have to bathe every day. Just if they're starting to smell bad, you're going to say, "Yeah, we're going to do a bath today." <laughs> well, you're going to wipe the area that's dirty. You know, if their face and neck are dirty, you'll wipe it, and if their rear end's dirty, you're going to wipe it. So they're sort of getting cleaned all the time. Okay, play time. Not really play time. More like maybe they're interactive or awake. So you're gazing at them and saying, "I have had the most." Awesome, beautiful baby that ever was created. And you're spending a little time looking at them. And they may be following your face or you're um, you know, mimicking as you smile at them or open your mouth or something. So play time. And then sleeping, maybe 12 to 16. And I don't think all those numbers add up well, but that just goes to show it's probably a range. But it also goes to show, okay, of those things, how many can the baby do by themselves? Sleeping, you hope. Not all together. You know, they can't do it those 12 to 16 hours in one string, so you're going to be putting them to sleep or helping them unwind enough to go to sleep. So this is like a more than full-time job, and there's no weekends off. Okay? So just a little heads-up on the what that's going to look like. Okay, so... Um, so what does the Internet say about um, the weeks after birth? That's in one of your handouts. So go to the section that um, is on my section. What color am I? Blue? All right, so the postpartum timeline um, gives us a little overview of what the Internet says about the weeks after birth. <clears throat> so can be as crazy as the gestation period. This pretty much is relating to mom, but that's going to set us up for what's going on. Physically, exhausted and sore in that first week. Breast producing colostrum for the first 72 hours. The milk comes in around three to five days. She might get engorged. Hormones are doing all sorts of stuff, making her emotional. Unexplained tears and conflicting emotions. And then week two, week three, week four, week five, week six. And... This is sort of an up and down, like an extended PMS time. Okay, six weeks roughly. It's not going to last that long for everybody, and it's going to last a little bit longer for some. So this is just the physical and emotional overview from the Internet. Okay, what does the Bible say? Well, one of the things the Bible is talking about, about the weeks after birth, is the woman's period of purification. Do you remember the part about when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the to the um, temple, and they met Anna and Simeon. It was at the time of Mary's purification. That would have been at about, um, she would have been unclean for seven days, you know, bleeding and that sort of thing. On the eighth day, they circumcised the little boy. And then she is 33 days longer after that first seven days in a purification period. That would be community coming and women coming alongside of her and her not being expected to resume normal life. So that 7 plus 33 is about 40, which is roughly our six weeks, right? Okay. When we think about the Bible and 40, what comes to mind? Years wandering in the wilderness. Years wandering in the wilderness and one other big 40. Noah's Ark Noah's Ark's good. Jesus in the wilderness and then his temptation by, by um, Satan. So, um, and 40 is looked at, like theologians, a period of temptation, of trial, of strengthening faith through God's miraculous support. So that's a good just thought to hang on to. It's a period of temptation, of trial, of strengthening faith, and God's miraculous support through it. When we look at the Exodus generation, here's a verse from Deuteronomy. You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandment or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger, and he fed you with manna, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Um. Bobby and I have gotten to go to Israel twice, and this is actually in the Judean wilderness. This is a nice flat path, but that year, that was 08, when we were there, it was hot. And it was a long hike with kids who were all college age, and we're in our 50s. And I'm like, I so get why they were crumbling about water. (laughs) You know, like, where is there something to drink? Because it was hot and long and rugged. That looks pretty smooth, but um, there were parts that were a little bit more up and down. And like, yeah, where are we going to eat? And it was really nice that you had a guide and a pathway. Um, We had a a wonderful um, Israeli guide. Then we think about Jesus in the wilderness. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan where he got baptized. And he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil that whole time. He ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry the devil said to him if you are the son of god command this stone to become bread and jesus answered it is written man shall not live by bread alone just like they had learned or were supposed to be learning in the wilderness generation and this one is in the judean desert you can see it's even more desolate than the one we saw before um with sand and storms there's not going to be easy to find food or clothing or shelter okay so i'm drawing a parallel for you all but what's your fasting likely to be yeah. Sleep, time alone kind of thing, time off. Okay? So I want you to just sort of think, okay, it's not just we have to get through the few days in the hospital, but we have a period of testing and trial that let's just look at our first 6 weeks of planning for getting through that. Okay, real funny passage is in numbers 11. Um Moses, why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me. What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Did I give birth to them? Did I bring them into the world? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms like a mother carries a nursing baby? How can I carry them to the land you swore to give their ancestors? Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? They keep whining to me, saying, give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The load's far too heavy. If this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me this misery. Okay, Moses was sort of emotional too. Remember, he lost his temper and didn't get to go in the promised land. But I just think this is pretty hysterical. What do you see in it that are tasks of parenting? That you're getting ready to go through. Give birth. Bring them into the world. Carrying... Succeeding, yeah, totally, totally, yes. Listening to their, and there he is whining too. (laughs) And God answered him, and He provided for him. And in fact, God carried these people. He did all the providing for in the wilderness. he, He, God carried you as a man carries his son. In spite of this word, you didn't believe the Lord your God, who went before you in the way. To seek you out a place to pitch your tents. He provided the food, the clothing, the shelter. Like there's a verse about your your sandals didn't even wear out. Forty years. And you were able to go with these same sandals. Um, okay. So what's it looking like at home? Have you prepared? This is a Pinterest one, don't you know? Yeah. Real spectacular. Um, have you prepared a place for your little person? Or you're thinking about how it's going to look? Um And just thinking about, you know, you're getting ready to take care of this little person, but the Lord is preparing a place for you. He's actually preparing a place specifically that he wants for you to be where he is. And it's going to be a a wonderful parallel as you bring this little life and see the amazement of, wow, this is ours to care for and the affection that you have for it. And to think, God loves me like that? Especially when you think that a baby can't do anything for themselves and you're going to have to do it all. It's a real good thing that they're cute because it's a lot of work. It's just a lot of work. And yet you, even sometimes when you don't want to, if they're crying, you're going to get up and you're going to answer it. And God does the same for you. So um, this is one of the verses that um, Callie, I think, had on uh, Callie and Ryan's sheet was he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom. That's a near his heart. And gently lead those that are with young. and That's you guys. He's going to gently lead you when you turn to him. This is a, um, from Caesarea by the sea. It's an old um, sculpture with a shepherd carrying the lamb across his shoulders. Um, so we're just wanting to go into this with that perspective of you are the parent of your child, but you are God's child. And he loves you infinitely more than you can even fathom of loving this little person that's coming into your life. Um, and also we ta- we heard this morning some about the, um, the sanctification of a child. Um, this is a great quote by Dennis Rainey. We mistakenly think God gave us children for us to raise them. I think God gives us children for him to finish the process of raising us. Because it's almost like what you go through in parenting is a... No options other than being unselfish. Like, there could be moments when you choose to be selfish, but in, in the process, let's say even just in the first six weeks, you're going to have to step beyond that more often than you can even imagine. And um, my friend Christy, who went through real severe postpartum depression, she said in her um, very sweet blog, I think it's called Gently Led, said, I never expected him to be such an instrument of sanctification, that a child is that. Um, and yet, we have difficulty and and hard work. Um, whenever a woman's in labor, she has pain. Her hours come, but when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. And we think about, you know, birth is a milestone. It's not the end of the game here. It's sort of a beginning. It's like, well, you're already on the journey, so it's a it's just a marker, a milestone on your further journey. And um, I'd also just encourage you to think about the process of labor and delivery and the power of God. I think about labor and delivery like a giant thunderstorm or a tsunami tidal wave. It's God's power at work. And for those of you who get to deliver vaginally, to see the process of what God's doing there for the C-section and for the vaginal mom, just to see the miracle of God having created a new person Think about the powerful God that you had that delivered his people out of the slavery of Egypt. He delivered them through the Red Sea on dry land. He delivers these babies. He's the one that's going to be bringing you know, this child into your arms. And um, So this, this coming up is really a marathon. You're going to want to pace yourself a little bit, but you're also going to think about lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles. And run with endurance the race that's set before you, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, um, and delivered you from the penalty of sin, and broke through death into eternal life for you. Um, It's also talked about, like, your needs are more than just physical. The, The need you have for the Lord is also significant, and for his truth, and for his people, but it it's um, it's more than just a need for food, clothing, shelter, for new parents, for sleep. And sometimes the sleep need gets to seem like it's the one and only primary thing. If I could just get that, it's all going to be good. And yet when you actually say, okay, Lord, you're taking me through this. I'm going to seek you first. Remember that um, in Matthew 6.33, he knows you need all these things. And you seek him first and he'll add them to you. I um, like this um this from psalm 1611 that you will make known to me the path of life and in your presence is fullness of joy in your right hand there are pleasures forever that you need the presence of god sometimes and it's not that he's not there it's whether you've stepped into his presence or not by drawing near to him and there's times also that it's not food or changing that your baby needs he needs you like one of our square one moms was talking about having a colicky baby and said I prayed and prayed that God would send something, you know, for comfort to this baby who was obviously so unhappy and the answer came back, I've given him you. He's still gonna cry, but I've given him you. And just that you're there with that baby is um is the point, you know, so that, that it's present sometimes. It's not just the things that they need, it's that they need connection with you. Um, um Okay, so in your handouts on the back of that the first six-week sheet, there's a little worksheet of things that you might think about doing now to prepare. Um, and I put down just different areas, not that you know everybody has a dog to take care of, but Thinking about the next six weeks, if you knew you were going to have knee surgery and it was going to be on crutches, that anything you had to do it was just going to be, life is a little more difficult, and you looked ahead and said, okay, my car registration's due in two weeks, I'm going to go ahead and take care of that, or I'm going to put this as an online bill pay, just different categories that you can look at, um like under the food section, food storage. I put that down because somebody's going to bring you a big casserole, and it's going to feed eight, and you're going to eat two of it, and then you're like, okay, there's a lot of stuff to put up. I'm not going to want to eat lasagna for the next five days, you know. Food storage, if you have some single-serve stuff, then when you're starving, you can pull out of the freezer one serving to put in the microwave. So... Anybody look at this and see anything they've already done of sort of arranging life to make it a little easier for the next few weeks? Do you have a good idea that you can share with somebody else? And if not, have you thought about resource lists like who would you call that you needed someone to run to the store? Or you were desperate for someone to come help you just get control of the house is completely a wreck. It goes scritch, scritch every step I take on the floor. There's laundry, you know. Like, there's nothing in the drawers because it's all in the laundry pile. And, I mean, who's someone that you feel close enough that would actually come in and get dirty with you, you know? Or that you would be willing to come in to your home when it's not at its best. And you're like, it's okay, I can do real life with that person. Um, Think about who would you call when you need skilled assistance for... um, issues with colic or something like that you know have you picked your pediatrician do you have some rapport with them um who takes care of getting the birthday gifts for family and getting cards and anything else has anyone thought ahead a little bit about i sort of want to streamline my my six weeks after the baby and what can i do You'd do that if you were leaving work, you know. If you were had a two-week vacation that you were having to step away from the office for, you'd sort of look ahead and take care of issues so that other people didn't have to pick it up as much, that it was like it was already done. Any thoughts? Oh, wow. <clears throat> mm-hmm. The envelope's addressed, and it's even got a reminder of what they gave. That's so sweet, okay. Even thinking about, like, dad-for-work stuff if you had some stuff done ahead that gives you that much more flexibility in you know how much or a little time you're at work or at home when you're um when you're going back. Mm-hmm. Or setting up online bill pay for the ones that you can do that with. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Right that the care calendar kind of thing is very helpful even like sometimes you just don't even want to be bothered with someone asking you what would you like and to have already figured out well when we go to chili's here's what we order when we get food at so and so here's what we order or here's stuff that's near our house and this is what I like and don't like you know like i need the chicken pesto but no tomatoes please that on pretzel bread that's bobby <laughs> at corner bakery um or things that get done at home like if there's a mother or mother-in-law coming at home but mom is scraping the bottle the new mom is scraping the bottom of the barrel as far as her energy she doesn't want to be the one to say well here's what I need you to do and here's how to do it almost like just having a home operations manual or just just a scratched note that here's the way you do like a post-it note on the washing machine duh 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 here's what we do you know it might help dad um so that you, you set, set things up so that you don't have to be the one telling people when that even that 10 minutes of sleep would make a difference to you. And your brain's not functioning well enough to give the instructions. okay? So sort of like just setting up things that I would need in my life for dummies. But you're not calling them dummies. You're just saying, I want to make it as simple as possible for someone to help me. okay? Just some thoughts on that. Okay, so we're going to take a short break. If somebody wants to practice swaddling or diapering, you can do that with my babies up here. And um, let's come back in 15 minutes, so 2:10, and we've got a bunch to talk about on the first two weeks in feeding. This was more the uh, overview, and then we're we'll getting into the nitty gritty.